Part of, how are you today? I'm doing pretty well oh, today. Wait, hold on, hold on. Oh no! No, the mic, the microphone wasn't plugged in. Ah! Welcome to the Shades of Hockey podcast. My name is Matthew Henricks, and with me today, as usual, is my co-host Hardev Lad. Hardev, how are you today? I'm pretty good today, Matt. How are you doing? Good. Huh. You're good, even after this weekend, after this past. Okay. Week? It's a new week. It's a fresh start. Uh, got a practice day in. Boys worked hard. Uh, God. Yeah, last week was pretty rough. <laughs> All things considered. We, we, we can we just, just be honest. To pray. We need to pray to the hockey gods that uh, Dermot is back as soon as possible. And, and Rosen. And Kapanen can play tomorrow against Nashville. But I also don't want to rush a concussion. Yeah, well, <laughs> um, I was watching, actually right before this podcast, I was watching Babcock's practice um, scrum. And he said... Yeah, Kapanen could have gone two games ago, but they the medical staff made him rest, so I think he's good to go for Nashville. He's in his regular spot with Kadri and Marlowe on the on the third line, so I think I'm I'm confident Kapanen's back. I'm happy that he's back. Um, for people complaining about he played with a concussion, I don't think he felt any of the symptoms or he knew that any any of that was happening. I think he went through a concussion protocol, everything looked fine, and then he's got some latent symptoms or something. It happens. It's not concerning. It's not the least kind of being all dodgy with anything. It's just, you know, how it works, how it happens. Uh, concussions sometimes do that. Um, but yeah, Captain's and back. I just, I just wanted to step in real quick. Yes. Um, he's returning to his new, old, regular position <laughs> on the third line. All right. Because right. he was on that first line forever. Yeah. And, and we finally have him back on that third line where he needs to be <laughs> to be effective. Like he was effective on that yeah. first line, but having Nylander and Matthews is so much better. Yeah. And then Kapanen on that third line is so much better as well. I, I keep using the same. Yeah, he there, has but. he has um, a couple shooters with him in Kadri and Marlowe. And honestly, getting Kapanen there to get, you know, get Kadri going, get that, get him using his shot a little bit more would be really good. Marlowe. You know, as as much as we rag on him, he's a really good skater. He gets to the net. He's uh, he's got a good shot. He plays he plays transition very very well, and that's something Kapanen's very good at. So, uh, I have positivity going into this week of games because that's all I got <laughs> as a fan. That's all I can do. Um, and yeah, I'm I'm happy for Kapanen. I'm ready for him to be back. Um, the defense, God, just hold us together, please, God, please, no. Um, and well, I just until Dermot gets sorry, back. Just before you go on again, um, just about Marlowe, I. All right. I, I'm a bit of a proponent of him. Mm-hmm. Um, not, I'm not hugely critical on him because he is what 40 years old. Um, he does have a terrible cap hit. It is a rough one to have for next year. Um, but we need to put him in positions to be better. And I think when he, sometimes when he has the puck, he has sh- shown that he can be decent. He just needs to be better and have maybe have the puck a bit more often. He's just not involved with the play because he's not that one, that player getting the puck necessarily. He's usually receiving it off passes. Yeah, he's a finisher, and he's not going to get the puck from Connor Brown. Like, for yeah. for God's sake, man, that guy. Can we talk about Connor Brown for a second? <laughs> sure, let's go all over the roster. That yeah, let's just talk about everyone. It's fourth line, third line, <laughs> second line, first, whatever. Um, But yeah, for Connor Brown, man, he's really fallen off, has he? Yeah, um, it's tough watching him because I've seen a lot of the utility in him in January and February, and in terms of getting the puck, and but you don't see the most important parts, which is like taking that shot, or when you compare him to Nylander or Kapanen, holding on to the puck, handling the puck the at shot. all. 
like Hanalee yeah, Puck at yeah. all, he doesn't have that ability anymore. Like it's gone for some reason. It, it's that old saying that a lot of us used in in high school. We like we all said <laughs> Zach Hyman had hands of stone, or Michael Grabner had hands of stone. Connor Brown has has hands of stone as well. <laughs> maybe even a bit worse. Maybe concrete. Yeah. Um, Whatever scoring Connor Brown had in in the AHL or junior, uh, Zach Hyman I think stole from him at some point using some <laughs> magic powers and. Uh, Connor Brown's just left with nothing. I even looked at some of his like penalty kill stats because that's kind of what everyone's been harping on, saying you know he's a penalty killer, he's a penalty killer. Uh, he's decent. Uh, yeah, he's solidly like a second unit penalty killer and number three on the lease in terms of uh, getting stuff done. Uh, yeah. yeah, he's not that. He's not that special. Um, so he's just an average penalty killer to be honest. So Who are I your don't really two guys for the penalty kill then. Me? Minor, Kapanen, Marner, and. Uh hyman because they're so ferocious on the puck defensively sometimes um i just don't know who my main centers are because those are all wingers yeah it's weird um well first of all i'll throw john Tavares in for face-offs and get-offs um he would be there just partial part of the time hyman for sure uh marner for sure at this point he's become a very good penalty killer i don't think we've appreciated his um his evolution as a defensive player very much at all like he's very 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 good uh, I was going to say zone. that too. We don't recognize yeah. his defensive reads a lot. Exactly. It's He's something very that good. I jot down a lot. It's it's not something that I've made videos or I don't make videos enough. And that's yeah. you should issue. Yeah, it will get all the views. Like people really would be interested in that. And like, so beyond uh, Tavares is a face off, get off uh, Hyman, Marner, Kapanen for sure. hundred percent for sure. Um, and God, man, they're, they're starting to play the goat. They are actually starting to play the goat on the penalty kill. He's been, I think the past four or something games, he's been getting a regular shift there about two or something minutes or less. Um, I like to see the goat there. I think he's a very good penalty killer. He was a great penalty killer for the Marlies. He was that third line center that really just did everything that you needed him to do in the defensive zone and, uh, got the puck to the other guys and let them do offense. Uh, I think goat as a penalty killer would be great. It's a shame he's injured right now. I think, um, That'll that'll be I don't know it'll it'll suck for a little bit. Um, just on that end alone, it's you know not not a massive loss. And um, and do you else? remember what Babcock said about the loss of Goat today? Oh yeah, it's a yeah. Okay, so this is really funny. Um, I was watch I watched the clip. I just watched it just now, and I'm pretty sure Babcock has no idea what any of the injuries are that Leafs have. Like I don't think he just he I don't think he asks. I don't think he cares. He just ask is this guy ready to play or not and then that's what happens so like if i don't know it's just hilarious he doesn't like he just like i don't care what it is the the medical staff does whatever they want i'm tired of them and uh yeah i think but the problem is that on twitter it gets read as like he's an idiot or something so it's annoying (laughs) well i i just take it for what it is it's babcock thinking oh I'm going to have my guys ready when they're ready and yeah, I'm going to use what's available to me for for now. <laughs> but just uh, what the gist of what Babcock said, uh, I'm pretty sure a reporter first asked what happened with Goat and Babcock said something along the lines of, oh, he got hit. What was the, the press reporter asked, what, yeah. was it off the foot? Yeah, it was in the press conference. And uh, I think Babcock asked someone at the side or something and he's like, yeah, it was the foot. Oh, he got hit off the foot. <laughs> so, Babcock being Babcock, that's just yeah. a hilarious line that we need right now, too. Yeah. We're thinking that we're... It, it's uh, it's the end of the world with how the Leafs are playing right now, even though it isn't. <laughs> it was very funny. It was lighthearted. It, it, I felt almost like, okay, they're, they're moved on. They're not sulking on themselves. It was like, it was a nothing quote. It didn't mean anything. It was just funny. Like, he, what, he, he didn't have an update, and he just said whatever he thought. 
um yeah i liked it it was funny i liked i like it when they i like when Batcock uh gives him a chill because um he's he's a very smart man but also he likes to mess with them by using his like saskatchewan drawl or whatever it's just it's just hilarious it's he's great uh i can't i i don't understand yeah i don't understand why people hate him like if you watch any of his press conferences i've watched like all of his pressers of like every single iteration for ever since he got here and uh, honestly, I, I don't think he's an idiot in any kind of way. I think he's a very, very so, smart man. So here's the the idea that I keep seeing. And sometimes I believe it. Sometimes I don't. Just because we're, we're only in year three in terms of the playoffs, year four of Babcock. And we still don't have all the tools that um, a team that wants to compete for the cup would would want in terms of we still have Ron Hainsey. And it's his last year, of course. But... We're still building for that future. We're not the Tampa Bay Lightning. We're building and developing so we can be that next Tampa Bay Lightning team, I would assume. Um, do you think Babcock's on the hot seat? No. I don't think he should be. I don't think he is. Um, I I laugh every time people bring it up because either they're joking or it's just an opportunity for me to get a laugh in. Um, I think he's a really good coach. I think he's smart. I think the players you know they're they're young guys man they're they're not always going to be on top of their game i don't think they're i think the systems are fine honestly i think they work when they work and when they don't work um it's just they're not being executed properly genuinely uh yeah yeah i don't have a problem with him he's a really good teacher he's a really good coach and here's another question like before i go on actually remember in i think it was 15 16 that was babcock's first year are we are we who are you're you're french now Merci. Pardon, la day? Merci. <laughs> Merci. Um, Gracias. What was I say now? <laughs> you have me lost for words. Thank you very much, Pardon. See, this um, happens when I go into different languages. <laughs> in 15-16, um, the Leafs found a lot of utility players, and we were one of the better last place teams. Something to be very proud of ourselves for um, because of the system that Babcock had, and we are surprisingly i'm pretty sure above water in terms of shot attempt differential shot share and i think that's a testament to what babcock is able to do compared to the year before under horacek and and carlisle um right now it's still that development curve where nylander's only 22 kapanen's only 22 they're both turning 23 this year um, marner's 21 matthews is 21 or turning 22 we have a very young core that's under 23 years old and we have yeah. set such high expectations for this team. Um, and they're a top five team regardless. Um, yeah, we can be critical of the Zaitsev signing, the Marlowe signing, the, uh, but that's about it. The Hainsey signing, ah. but yeah, that's about it. Dubis has found a way to get rid of these players for the most part. Hainsey's off the books by the end of the year. And if you can find mm-hmm. a way to get rid of Zaitsev, con- Zaitsev's contract this year, I'd be happy. And just one thing about Zaitsev, I've I've noticed him. And I know <laughs> what you're talking about him defensively, but I feel like there there's an element of skill development still available to him, but it bothers me that he's, what, 26, 27 years old? Um, I don't know how you can teach it to him. What I'm trying to get at is he's able to break up plays, but right after, he gets the puck and just chucks it. There's no need to do that. And if you watch the best defensemen in the league, some or some of them, if they break up a play, they take the puck and they don't chuck it. They'll send the puck forward to a, a forward who's open. It's just having that confidence and that patience. And I think that's something that 
really needs to be honed in with Zaitsev, even especially if he has what five more years left on his deal. I just don't know how you do it. Hundred percent. I I I really whenever I look at Zaitsev, I think this guy's a second year. Like he's a sophomore. He's a he's a he's still a a, a relatively inexperienced player in this league. Um. Yes, he doesn't third have year, the con- third year. Third year? Oh, geez. Okay, fine. Yeah. But that's still as many as Matthews and and Marner and everyone else, right? He's. I looked. I think I did a quick little look at at the roster, and I think two thirds of the forward group are um have less than four years experience in the league. And like, I think if you if you want like Rasmus Sandin or Timothy Lilligren or Kali Rosen or Justin Hall and and um sides have add sides to the mix. A lot of the defense is also will is and will be very inexperienced as well. So. Uh, it's a young group. I I think if you look on the aggregate, if you look at like the over like the last three four years of Babcock's tenure, especially the last three, their their shot differentials have gotten better. They've been playing more at five on five. They've been playing better at five on five. I think there is a an there is an increase in play, and these tough weeks and these tough moments are blips, and um you know shouldn't be overreacted to in my opinion. Yeah, I'm yeah. lucky that I have uh, a friend. That we often often talk about hockey or and the Leafs a lot, and we just think of it as a blip. It's we we'll, we'll look at the Zaitsev contract and the Marlow contract, but other than that, this is just a blip. Imagine in a couple of years, if we're a top three team <laughs> in the league, we're gonna be thinking we really cared about that that much. <laughs> yeah, honestly, it's it 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 has no impact in the grand scheme of things. I think. Um. It was just a bad week. It was bad goaltending. We can get into this some more. Um, but yeah, I man, like honestly, it was so just first, yeah. Go ahead. First, let's get to the injuries then. Okay. Um, when we're when we're lose when we've lost two of our three better defensemen, I think that's a huge <laughs> problem, don't you think? I, I I think so a little bit, especially when you lose. <laughs> and, a, and don't you think also <laughs> when we've lost Freddie in February and Kadri at another time and Gardner for a couple weeks at another time? Yeah, maybe we'll struggle, uh, and aggregate as well. Yeah, honestly, I, um, man, it's just on the whole, it 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 like listen, I I I I'll, okay, I'm going back to Backhouse presser presser from today. Um, yeah, on I how dare you? I know, I'm so <laughs> sorry. I keep on going back to it, but he said like. We need to have better depth in order to make up for the losses that we've have we've had, and I think that's like a direct line at the defense. Um, like Jake Gardner and Travis Dermott, uh, they're not going to be replaced by Martin Marinson and Igor Ojeganov or Justin Hall in any kind of um, well, acceptable way. Well, he's injured, man. <laughs> he's got a week left. Um, I know, <laughs> but yeah, like honestly, ah, oh, jeez, um, Marinson, like. Uh, Jake Muzzin's been doing well. He's fine. Uh, I think him and Zaitsev, you know, can do whatever they can. I think him having to move up in the lineup and take on tougher minutes uh, with Garner gone is hasn't been great. Um, but I think most of the problem has been, honestly, with that third pair uh, with Marinson and Ojgan over Hall. Like, those guys just, uh, they don't drive the play well enough. They, they, they're definitely not of the caliber of Travis Dermott, who, like, in a lot easier minutes will dominate opponents and that domination really really helps the team a lot um they've had to get away from moving uh, get away from playing uh riley with like the top offensive units and getting them you know the best chances to score uh, and having to play him just more in general and it's just taxing the entire unit it's making everyone worse so um sorry if we have better uh if we have better depth that'd be great but right now we don't and i think that 
it's true. Like the Marlies getting into the season were very, very weak and any kind of injuries would quickly deplete any of that depth, especially now that Trevor Moore is a, is a semi-regular in the lineup. There's really no one on the Marlies that you can call to, uh, except for Kylie Rosen, who, you know, is injured right now and that's, that stuff happens. So, uh, I think Babcock was genuinely referring to just, you know, we don't have the Marlies to be as full as we would, we would have hoped. I think those years of having, um, Mark Hunter, <laughs> uh, run, run the yeah, draft. I, I looked at those draft picks and I'm like, what could have been, those guys could have all been on the Marlies. It could have all produ- been producing, developing. We could have had some centers. We could have had some defensemen. Like, honestly, I look at those years, of so, those drafting so and it just you really on, hurts. Actually, not that, not that I disagree with you. Who are some of the players who you're thinking of past maybe oh, man, Travis not- Dermott in 2015 or past? I need to look Korsh- at the Korshkov, Grundstrom, and Wool. Uh, wait, no. Did Dubas take over in 2016 in terms of drafting? No, no, no. Uh, Dubas took over in uh, just in 2018. Uh, 2015, 2015. 2015 was both of them, uh, Hunter and Dubas. They did the 2015 draft, and then 16, yeah. 17 was uh, was Hunter. And okay, I got the I got the lineups up right now. Uh, yeah. So Austin Matthews in 2016, great player. Jaeger Korshkov. Everyone will be very surprised at how good he is, to be honest. I think he will be a really great player. Um, he has uh, he has been doing really, really well in the KHL. Katya has been looking at him like with uh, with, with like eagle's eyes. Uh, he's been doing really well, and he'll come to uh, North America. He'll come to the Marlies, and he'll he'll impress for sure. Grunstrom got traded. Joseph Wall is a goaltender, and then there and here comes like the the really bad picks. JD Greenway didn't work out. Adam Brooks has actually been surprisingly very good, so kudos uh, on the Marlies. Then Keaton Middleton, Vladimir Bobolev, Jack Walker, Nicholas Madden, uh, Nikolai Chepkin. None of those guys would have ever had a chance, and those guys come from the fourth round and later. Um, honestly, if if you have a good like draft, you should have at least a couple of those guys on your Marlies within three years, and yeah, none of them are. Someone between rounds four to seven. Yeah. Sorry, besides just... Um, Adam Brooks there. Yeah, and the Leafs got so many draft picks from from that uh, trade deadline, and they they wasted a lot of them, like a lot of the ones that they could have gotten in the late rounds. So, uh, so Victor Mete went right before Keaton Middleton, actually. Oh, lovely. <laughs> I don't think they would have drafted uh, Mete anyway, right? Just knowing yeah. by what Hunter went with. But it's just with. another name, just to remind ourselves. Yeah. We could have had these guys. Um Jack Walker, like he's in the ECHL right now, not in the Leafs system. Like yeah, Colton Point, but as it also Nikolai Chepkin like, is done. Like he's in the KHL on some extra whatever team, like on some junior team. Yeah, yeah. It, and, sorry, just it, it also speaks to how other teams need to be drafting and finding talent better too. It's not just the Leafs, but it is also the problem where where we need to be drafting better, so we're in a better situation and we're not stuck where we have a lack of depth right now. Yeah, and there's like there's not there's not much that the Marlies are able to develop right now. There's there's Adam Brooks, there's Jeremy Bracco, there's Pierre Engvall, there's uh Dmitry Timoshov. And then after that there's really not much that the, that in terms of actual like prospects that have an NHL future that, you know, have a really good chance of being anything. Like those are the guys and they're just, you know, they're just chugging along and they don't really have much help and and the teams had to, you know, trade for a bunch of different people to you know in their in their early 20s ish to uh to fill out the roster and like they've had to do it by trades and not by drafting i think that's 
it's hard because you have to give up something to get something. Like I'm still I'm still bitter that the the least traded um Stephen LeBlanc because I really like that prospect. Uh, he was a he was a top four defenseman on the Marlies like consistently. Like he won that job out of out of the ECHL. So uh, it's a shame that they don't have him because they had to trade him because they didn't have depth and it's just annoying. And uh, yeah, like even like getting to the 2017 draft. Like you have Lilligren, he's in the he's on the team. Raston will be on the team. Ian Scott will be on the team. So those are pretty some pretty good draft picks. And then Kara, Fedor Gordiev, Ryan McGregor, Ryan O'Connell. Like, eh, I, there's I don't know. It's I don't know. I'm just a little disappointed. Yeah, it's it's a tough say right now. It's well, we're two years out, and what they're 19. We're like by the time they're 20, you're expecting at least something. And these are some under uh, underwhelming numbers in in junior. Yeah, and it, except for McGregor, but like he's a center. Seventy seven points in sixty one mm-hmm. games isn't uh, right home anything to write home about. Yeah, for sure. Like um, on the whole, I think you know they're fine. It's just you know when you graduate so many players and they're all you know under four years of pro and they're all in the NHL and and having to be key parts to your team, it's it's. Uh, it does leave you a little bare for a couple years until you until you get all that depth uh, death back. Like let's not forget, like the Leafs were barren by twenty fourteen. Like there was nothing there in terms of on ice talent now, and nothing in the cupboards. So um, they really had to, you know, this is the price they've had to pay for all those bad years. There's no depth right now, so it's going to so take some time. Did you want to talk about the twenty eighteen draft, or did you want me to bring up some names? It's up to you. If you want, what do you think? Yeah, what are you thinking on uh, there? Well. Right away, you look at Matt Hollowell, who was signed, what, two weeks ago? Yeah. And he looks like he could be a very good top four defenseman. I know that's a huge reach right now, but Oof. even when you look at Mitch Brown's graphics or uh, visuals from Tableau, um, his, his abilities to prevent zone entries, the shots per hour, the entries per hour, the clean exits per hour, um, he looks like a very good defenseman and those are from last year i'm assuming he's even better plus what almost seven or over 70 points this year um i think philip crawl even looks like an underrated pick sean dersey i was kind of disappointed we traded him but um that's kind of the price you have to pay if you're looking to win right now or even try and get there and then simeon Chance of sda Oh my gosh, he looks like he's going to be something special alongside uh, Rasmus Sandin. 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 Uh, <laughs> Sandin. Well. It's Sandin. I'm, I'm glad you said that about SDA because he. I really. I watched this. I watched a couple of his games live, and I, I paid really close attention to him. And I really like the skills that he has. I think a lot of the picks that the Leafs have been have been getting have been either, um, you know, will be NHL ready soon, uh, but don't have a really high ceiling, and um, will take a lot of time. But when he when he's like 23, 24, he has the potential to be great. And um, I think that's kind of how you have to draft. Like you can't like you always go for the most talent all the time. But if you have a guy like Rasmus Sandin or Sean Dursey that are available to you and they both have talents and the ability to make the NHL really quickly, um, not super quickly, but, you know, relatively quickly. Um, you get them for sure, and that's what you have to do with your high-end draft picks. And the other guys in the mid-rounds, like SDA and Matt Hollowell, like, I really like both of those guys. I think they'll be very good players for the Leafs, uh, hopefully one day, but they're going to take time. They're going to take years. They're going to be, you know, 22, 23, maybe 24 until they're ready, until their bodies are filled out, until they've they've gotten a handle of the defensive system, until they've, you know, 
they don't make mistakes in their own zone in terms of missing assignments or and doing all those things and learning to penalty kill, uh, learning the the best nuances of a power play and, and playing five and five, playing all those things. Um, all and the tools the are there. Thing, all the, the tools only are there. Worry about me with uh, SDA? He looks like a twelve year old. He needs to grow a beard. No man, actually he he's actually really tall. He's actually he's from from whenever I watched him, I'm like this guy's actually taller than I thought he was. Uh, he's five eleven, but he looks like he's like six foot or something. He looks pretty close. Uh, I'm actually pretty surprised. Like I think he'll fill out really well. <laughs> Genuinely, I think he's had a growth a growth spurt for sure. Uh, well, he only what he was seventeen in the preseason. Yeah, he's the youngest. Yeah. So he's eighteen now. He'll be nineteen entering next season. So. Yeah, I, honestly, I'm expecting he, <laughs> a fun preseason out of him. Yeah, for sure. I'd like to just see more of those um, young, fun prospects just run preseason without any of those goons out there. That'd be more fun to me than than watching some guys trying to some guy in the ECHL trying to win an AHL job. Like, I don't really care about those. Yeah, like and just I, like, I appreciate more... I appreciate their effort, but like, please don't go hurting our guys. Just go try and play a a a, a, a you know a better game. Like, play better than your opponents. Don't try and hit guys. Yeah. yeah, and just one more thing about SDA. Um, I think we, yeah, we went to the same game, but we we weren't even sitting in the same area. Um, <laughs> every time SDA touched the puck, or nearly every time, he'd do something that would literally wow the crowd. Yeah, he's so. fun. He's got that little bit of a little shimmy to him. A, a little really, he's got a really good deke that he like or, loves to make at a, the top of the uh, at the top of the blue line, and he's just a lot of fun. He's a lot of fun. Or as I described a couple weeks ago, he's got the pizzazz. Yeah, pizzazz. <laughs> that, that's a word that we're gonna never use again, but we'll use it once. <laughs> All right, let's talk about goaltending. All right. <laughs> so I know you're not a huge proponent of Garrett Sparks. We've talked about this over and over again. Um, I keep talking about the high danger save percentage being high. So is the medium danger save percentage. At least it's not like high, high, but it's it's decent. Low danger. It's like Laurent Brossois last year. You can't stop a beach ball. Um, and then Freddie seems like he's been playing too many games right now. Or he just looks tired because he's just facing so many shots. What do we do with this goaltending situation? Um, it's a, it's a loaded question because <laughs> we're at what game 55 for Freddie and it looks like he could pl- be playing. No, I think he's at 52. He could be playing around 58, 59, which is seven games off of, uh, his 66th last year and the year before. So like, this is more of a long-term question because I believe that for Freddie, he should be playing closer to 55 games by the end of the season and not the 59 to 66 because I, I really feel like those extra, what, 11 games could really do some damage. Yeah, those 600, those 600, 700 minutes, like that's, that's, it's sizable. Um, for sure. I, man, I'm, I'm looking at, I look at Freddie and I, I'm not worried in any way. I think he just had a bad week. <laughs> like just, just frankly, I just think he had a bad week. I think he was just off his game a little bit. I think he just needed a reset. He got Sunday off. He's going to play today. Uh, sorry, he got today, which is Monday when we're recording a practice in. He's going to play tomorrow and then get another day off, then another day off. And I think don't think they played till Saturday. So he's only got one game this week until Saturday. So two games over a course of seven days. So he'll be nice and rested. He'll be ready. I think I think what is, what's happened with him is just between the ears. I think he's just, you know, going through a slump right now. I'm not like I'm not worried about Freddie at all. Uh, what I am worried about is uh, Garrett Sparks a little bit because um, Wolf he has not been great. 
Uh, um, yeah, to say the least. Yeah, watching the game Saturday night, it's like, dude, you should have had that shot. Dude, yep. you should have had that shot. Dude, you should have had that shot. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> the three one goal. If it's something. Uh, yeah, yeah, just um, the three one goal just really bugged me the most because, uh, it was right after the Leafs scored the two one goals. John Tavares, the, the building was rocking. They were happy. They were they were losing it. They were so intense. The team was coming alive. They gave up uh, an all-man rush against and boom, goal. And there goes yeah. the momentum. And that was a 3-1 goal. Then he gave up another one. It was a 4-1. And that was also not great. His rebound control went just directly forward right at the uh, opponents. Uh, it's just then by that, the game was over and it was ruined. And, like, I could forgive the first two goals just because, you know, it's early and the least give up chance and whatever. It's fine. I couldn't forgive the 3-1 goal because that was the opportunity to – Save my Saturday night wasted. It ruined it. It was gone. It was done after that. It was so disappointing. Um, I, I said that in my recap at Pension Fund Puppets, and you know most of the comments are, uh, agree with me, and they're like, you know what, you can't give up that that goal. Humble you got to make you got to make the next. I know I did really well right there, eh? Um, and like you got to make the next save. You got you demand your goalie makes a save, and he just hasn't done that this season. And uh, we can talk about the quote he had after uh, the game where he was like, I need to, well, everyone needs to be more emotional. I'm like, no, you need to make the save so that the other team can continue with their emotion because you kill the, uh, the emotion after that 3-1 goal. Like, so, you saw the body language on the team. Like, they were, they were like, defeated after that goal because they were like, ah, oh, there goes all our hard work. But I, th- I still believe, from what I said, I'm pretty sure at the beginning of the season, Sparks needs... 30 games to get a real feel of the puck and not um, feel like he's out of it because if he's not getting a feel for the puck, he's going to be Curtis McElhinney of 10 years ago where he can't stop a beach ball. Yeah, but do you know that? Sorry? Do you you know that that's the case and that's the the one simple reason for everything? I I think I'm not... Okay, it's it's part of the reason. It's a guess. It's not like I... I don't care. I don't care about him needing more starts because if he plays more starts and he plays an, as a 902 goalie, we're going to lose more games, and I'm not happy about that. Uh, I, on, I, but I can't. Laurent Brossois isn't a 902 goaltender either, though, right? No, but I look at what Freddie does and how he plays, and I'm always worried about it because he plays rebounds way too hard. He gets emotion- When he gets emotional, he, me- he makes mistakes. Uh, when he um, when he gives a rebound right in front of him, he makes mistakes. Uh, he goes down really easily. He doesn't stay up. He doesn't make himself big. Uh, those are all things that like you know Curtis McElhinney does. Uh, so Freddie Anderson does from recent memory in terms of least that we liked, and he got away with but, a lot of that stuff in the when AHL. Did, but sorry, when did McElhinney start that though? That was like four or five years ago. Yeah. So what? Really looked solid. But so what? Because he got those games in. Yeah, but but so what if he if he gets great at a later point in his career? So what? He doesn't mean he's bad. It means he's actually playing well now. So like, yeah, uh, you got to take that for face value. Like, McElhaney was a guy with NHL experience, playing well in the AHL in the NHL over a course of a period of time. Like it was what fifty something games that he got with the Leafs that were all really damn good. Um, and they picked the guy with AHL experience, and I kind of wanted to go with the guy with the NHL experience because. He actually he's actually proven it, and he proved he proves it again with with Carolina. Like he's been like their only he's been the first goalie that's actually succeeded there since Cam Ward in 04 or 03 or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Like, just it it like I don't care about his age when I'm looking at him in one season, and I'm like, okay, he's done well over the past three years. I 
I see his body work. I see how he plays as a goalie, and I think he's uh, more sustainably. He can play a sustainable game, and I don't see that at Sparks. I see him having unbelievable uh, moments of time, like where on aggregate he'll play great, but he'll also have stinkers. And when you're the backup, even if you play 30 games and you have like seven or eight stinkers, that's seven or eight losses right there, and you can't give those back. Like, I don't know. It's just there's there's too much volatility in Sparks, and I can never really get Dude, behind I, him. I, I... I hate to say dude, actually. Um, That's fine. I feel, I feel like this is just the same thing that Laurent Brassois went through last year, though. I, I, I think, what, the Flames were down 3 nothing against the Oilers, something like that. And the Oilers, no, the Flames, yeah, the Flames were down 3 nothing, and then they came back to win something like 4-3 because uh, Brassois played so poorly in the third period. And he he was, what, 24 years old. He was letting in stinkers. He wasn't looking aggressive enough on the puck. And this year, he looks like what I was expecting from him from 14-15. Even though he only played that one game, he still looked very good in the AHL. Um, yeah, and, but... Sorry? Uh, just to, sorry to interrupt, but, like, he switched teams. He went from the Oilers to the Jets. Definitely. Right? Like, a change of scenery, a change of surroundings can always make a big difference uh i know that's what happened with michael Hutchinson this year he he was in florida for a couple years and he just really didn't click with that team he wasn't he didn't feel comfortable he felt like he was out of place and uh he came to toronto and it took him some time to get you know settled but once he did he's been amazing he's been frankly really really good uh and i think that's really what like it really does come down to a change of scenery and a change of uh, perspective and a change of system sometimes. Uh, the, I know the Leafs play, you know, you give up chances from the outside and you you give up those chances, sure, but you got to make sure you cover the front of the net and you got to um, make those big saves when you have to. And like a, a guy like Hutchinson ha- has been able to do that, but a guy like Sparks hasn't. Uh, he, does, he, you know, gives a whiffle, a whisk from, from like, from the face-off dots and outward. And it's just, and he doesn't give up, and he gives up really bad rebounds in front of the net. And it's just really concerning uh, because I don't think he matches well with the Leafs system. And I think in the AHL, he was good enough playing against shots that weren't as good uh, to make up for that and be really great. But I still was really always concerned about um, his actual style of play and how it would transition to the NHL because I didn't think he would be good enough. And I, don't, I think the NHL, like, shooters would make up, would, would t- take advantage of his, of his mistakes and, uh, in front of the net and from shots from the from the perimeter and it's I don't know it's happened it's been true is that it's some is that something to work on though god um, I don't know man um I probably I guess you can try and work on that but at the same time uh like I know Sparks has spent a lot of time trying to uh, work on his mental game and and be a little bit more calmer and be more centered but uh, he's still always like even when he was do- working on that and when he felt like he was great he was still really wild and I don't know if you'll ever not be wild I uh, it's just maybe when he's like a Curtis McElhinney age and he's and he's turned a corner and he can become a really solid backup but for now it's just yeah I don't know I don't know if you can like he's developed he's spent so much, he spent so long developing I don't know how much more he can do right and the least right now they're trying to win a cup Right, like you can't have a goal like that. Sparks again, twenty four, twenty five. No, he's twenty six. Twenty five years old. I thought he's twenty six. Turning twenty six in June. Okay. It's, it's a tough gauge. Um, I just think, uh, if you're a cup winning team that is trying to go for a cup, you can't have a guy like that as your goalie. You need to have a sure thing, and McIlhenny was a sure thing 
for like in my opinion frankly and i said i said this back in september and august like he was a sure thing uh and sparks is it and you can't it's really hard to have a guy developing like that like you can do that on edmonton but it's really hard to do that here uh no they couldn't even get away with it in edmonton That's exactly exactly right <laughs> like they're not trying to win anything there so like it's like you can play a <laughs> well, guy and well they and hope... are but it's not like they're gonna actually yeah do <laughs> yeah that's, that's true um, it's a different can of worms it's it's just it is that can of worms with sparks where um if you trade them low if i feel like it's just gonna bite us in a couple of years time but i also feel like with that new one-year contract for next year, what try them out for try them out on a more frequent basis than you're doing uh, this year, where you know you can be a dominant team uh, if you just make a couple little changes, but um, you can't rely on Freddie out of the gate like we did this year or even last year and the year before. Yeah, but as a cup-contending team, you have to rely on Freddie. Like that's your guy. It's your MVP. Like I don't, I, know, I don't know. But, it's just... but not the not the sixty six games, right? Well, yeah, you you play him for as much as you can and as and as healthy as he'll be, and you and you go from there. Like I understand, like you play him less, but like I'm trying to think of as a coach in the coaching perspective and as someone who's trying to win a cup. Like you play him Definitely. and you make you make sure you play. He plays well. Uh, but yeah, I understand. Like play him a little bit less, but when you have Sparks as a backup and you don't have that faith in him and you're trying. And it's almost as if you're trying to develop him. It's really hard to do that when you're trying to win games. And you're trying to catch Boston. Like I, 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 as a like, if I was the coach of this team and I was trying to win a game, it'd be really hard for me to to put that aside and try and develop a guy because I'm trying to win now. I don't care about like I'm trying to win this. Uh, I'm trying to win this season because that's how I spent all these months, like these five, six, seven months, getting ready for Definitely. this season where I win a cup. Right. So I don't know. That's just if, me. It feels like what sparks is just such odd timing to have him this year yeah like even having McElhaney two years ago I wasn't a big proponent of him and he has proven me wrong ever since even as a number one for the hurricane surprisingly um (laughs) but it's it's like we said at the what I think December that we should have gone with three goaltenders uh Pickard or even McElhaney uh one of those two plus Sparks and Freddie and not just two goaltenders because we had the time. Uh, you could have sent um, Rinson down to the Marlies and he would have cleared waivers like he did. But uh, we we lost two goaltenders in the process. Yeah. It's so tough. It's so tough um, to make that decision. I think having three goalies on a roster would be also really hard to do. Uh, Definitely. Like so many coaches and so many players are like, yeah, we don't want that. Like goalies too. They're like, we don't want to share their net. We want 50-50. It's so hard to make it 33%. Um, with the way that they, they they live their lives and the way they practice and all that stuff. It's just so hard. Like, look how tough it was in Carolina with Darling, McElhaney, yeah. and uh, who's the last one? Mrazek. Yeah, Mrazek. It's just so. I. It's just unfortunate timing. I don't think it was a right fit, and they tried to force it, and I think Dubas was wrong. Like, Frank, like, he's done a lot of great stuff, and I just I can't get behind the, the, the Sparks um, decision. Like, and also, it just must be said, like, Pickard, I, I know you brought a Pickard, and I, I think, like, a lot of people have him, like, out of their minds, and, like, he was a, a bust anyway. He's been really injured this season. Like, he hasn't been able to play any games. I think he's played, I think, four games in all competitions this year. Like, he's just been madly injured. So, tough guy. Uh, who knows what that would have happened. But, yeah, goalies, are, it's really hard to predict. And, yeah, it's just, it worries me a little bit because uh, 
Dubis was loyal to Sparks a lot, uh, despite, you know, just, man, Michael Ennio's a better goal in the NHL. Like, just, it, that's where the facts were. And I feel like Dubas got loyal, and he's done that with Justin Hall as well, and forcing him to stay even though he wasn't playing, and uh, just a couple of these other guys that you know will come up, and uh, it's just yeah, the goat, the goat one worked. I'll give him the credit for that, but I feel like just he's a little too. I, I'm worried that he's going to be too loyal to certain players, and I I'm, I don't know if I trust that fully. That's like the only thing I have, uh, the only thing I worry about with Dubas, to be honest. That's that's all I care about. Yeah. yeah. I think it's just part of that idea of sticking to the process, and I know that's so cliche, <laughs> but uh, you, you almost want everyone to abide by that process, but we're all going to be critical of it. We're all going to have our own opinion, and sometimes the coach won't even agree with it, and that's why at the beginning of the season, you're not going to play. He's not playing Sparks right in 30 games, so it, it's a tough call, and when you're when we're expecting... Uh, when we have high expectations for Sparks this season, it's tough to see it when he's struggling in, what, the 17 games. It looks like he'll play 20 games at, by the end of the year. Um, maybe he, he's better in, what, 23 games next year, 24, but Ugh. I don't know. <laughs> we'll but, see. Yeah, but I'm trying to win a cup this season, right? That's that's the thing. Like, Honestly, I don't I don't see that much that much of a difference in twenty games versus thirty games. Like it's still like an auto full season. You're not playing every night. Um like he's get he's getting twenty games. Like that's not that's not bad. That's that's whatever, that's what sixty minutes well, I think, times. I think 12, it's a difference games. in terms of get, getting a feel of for the puck. No, you gotta set in practice every single day. Yeah. But right? it's not the same as a game though. Like you're gonna make like, like I it's just I think when when you're a goalie like you're going to make the save or you're not going to make the save. I don't think he's I don't I haven't looked at a game where Sparks has looked off too much and been like like when he has I've given him the benefit of the doubt. But that Sens game, he looked like he was ready to play. I think he was he was good. He just missed those shots. Like they weren't like yeah. he was off. It was that he was like giving up bad rebounds and he was fumbling pucks. Like it's just I look at each game as in isolation and I'm like, how did you play relative to what you were, what you're doing on the aggregate? And I just, it disappointed me a little bit. Right. And that's kind of just how you can go about it when you have to look at small samples, right? You kind of have to look at it game by game and every single moment. Yeah. Um, speaking of small samples, um, the St. Pat's jerseys, <laughs> um, that was pretty bad. Yeah, I haven't loved the St. Pat's jerseys at all, especially with those white, the small white X's through the numbers on the back. Um, I don't mind the green and white. It's just, it needs more to it. And we've t- we talked about it before the show, and I remember using the jerseys, I think it was in NHL 2005 or something, uh, with Matson. Yeah. And using the dark green jerseys that said, I'm pretty sure St. Pat's as well. It was almost like a Comic Sans font, and it was brown pants. It was just so perfect to have. And I think if you're going to go retro like that, that's that's even better than what we're doing right now and trying to make it modern. Um, try and go throwback, like the Carolina Hurricanes are going with the Hartford Whalers look. Yeah, I was just going to say, like the, the Hurricanes know what they're doing. Like Tom Dundon... I think he made it like a some kind of he said something somewhere where he's like we're gonna try and wear our home jerseys as often as we can because that color looks better on freaking white ice 
right? Yep. The problem with the St. Pastors Who are is you, that- Jeff Merrick? <laughs> yeah, I make the ice blue or whatever. No, but like genuinely, <laughs> genuinely, genuinely. Um, like those St. Pastors will look better if they're home jerseys. They, they're white and you can't see any of the green. You don't see any of the color. You don't see any of the life in them. Like they're so boring because they're white jerseys on white ice with a little bit of green. Like the reason why I think we loved those old St. Pastors is because they were all green with brown. Like they were color on color. It wasn't like some boring, uh, sorry. Yeah. It wasn't some boring, uh, thing. So yeah, that's just, they, they could have been, they could have colored. Yeah. Sorry. Exactly. I just, it's, I, I lost my thought there. It's no worries. Um, it's, it's just part of figuring it out too. Um, even with the, what is it? The Aretna's Jersey that I have, <laughs> I love saying, calling it the Aretna's one, but I, I like that with the, the, the extra stripes on the arms, um, it has a unique look, um, and I know the St. Pat's jersey has a unique look, but it it has a bit of that blandness that our, our home and away jerseys have in terms of just the logo. If you add more to it where there's more of a contrast and maybe, yeah, maybe it's, a, it's, a, it's that vibrant green, but make it a, a home jersey as well and make even more money from that. <laughs> yeah like they it's played... just like yeah go ahead it's just like the um all-star jerseys where they had it in the the marled black and the marled white jerseys um it looked so good in two different iterations of it especially when you look at the leafs uh in terms of home and away or any other team um we should be trying that especially w- with us having a home and home uh weekend uh home game against the flyers and an away game against the senators yeah, it's just an excuse to sell more jerseys. And what I will say is that I will forever love the Centennial Classic jerseys. Like, I still really want one of Riley or a Nylander, St. Pastor. Um, sorry, not St. Pants. I mean, uh, Centennial Classic. Those were great jerseys. Like, the, the band through the middle, the, the logo, it was blue. It was real. It was solid. Such a good jersey. Um, so, yeah, that's... Uh, that's I think that's our jersey talk for the day. For the day. Did, sorry, <laughs> did you have anything you like else? the silver branches as well? Or is it silver silver lining on the maple leaf? The silver lining of this of this <laughs> podcast. Uh, <laughs> is that? No, a, but did you like the um, silver lining of the crest? Yeah, I didn't notice it. I don't really. I didn't notice it any at all. I think because it's the centennial. It's you know you go with something a little flashy. I think it's fine. Yeah, I liked it. Yeah. Like I like if you're gonna put silver anywhere, it would have been there, and it wasn't in your face in any kind of way. Like I don't notice it when I look at the jerseys like around the streets. Like it's just you know it's there. It's it's part of the jersey. So that's what I always like about it. Yeah, I always like our third jerseys the best from the Winter Classic one in 2014 to <laughs> yeah that old. I think it was was it 67 one where I don't know how to describe the leaf. Um, but I, I like that specific jersey, even though I'm not being very specific. And the Aretna's one. Um, <laughs> yeah. I buy those jerseys, and I don't really go for the home and away, uh, just because I like the uniqueness of them. Yeah, they're one-offs. They're kind of cool. I, you know what I call the 2014 jerseys? I call them the Bozak jerseys because I remember him scoring that shootout winner in the snow. And I'm just thinking about that, and I'm like, that's the Bozak jersey. Because it's just in my head. I'm like, every time I think of that game, and I'm like, snow, Bozak shootout winner against... Um, Detroit it was that's always that's kind of what I think and yeah did uh, you go for the winter classic I went to the centennial classic and that was an oh, okay. incredible experience um one I will never forget um but yeah and I just 
I'm trying to get back to your point. I think it's because the, it's the wonky leaf with the, the down edges. Yeah. Where, like, the bottom of the leaf, leaf is down, not flat. And with the lowercase n. The lowercase n. Yeah. can't forget about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. <laughs> um, but, yeah. What's next? Um, You wanted to talk about Emily Rassinen and I don't know how Joseph. to his name. Joseph Duzak. Duzak. Oh, I was Joseph Duzak. That's okay. Uh, so, we already <laughs> talked about Rassinen a bit. Um, He has signed a P. PTO, right? With the yep. Marlies. Yep. Um, and he barely played this year in the KHL, I believe, with Jokerit or Jokerit. So that was a tough one because I've someone expected a lot from Rasinen, especially with him being drafted in the second round mm-hmm. in um, 2016. Year? 2016. Yes. So when you see someone who's six foot seven and who has scored 39 points to 66 games in 16 17 and then he's drafted in 2017 you're expecting more and then uh i think he actually had family issues the uh last year or yeah. no, the year before in 17 18 which is why he took a bit of a dip in th- with 33 points and then this year with eight in 18 19 he's only scored two points in 12 games and um when and when you're not getting games in the KHL, it's like a write-off of a season, and it's like you wasted your your time in in the KHL. And he's 20 years old. You'd almost hope that he he finds his way with the Marlies as a person, but we also have to be realistic. Will he uh, be that I don't know bottom four def- defenseman, or will he probably be uh, a depth or bottom pairing guy? Yeah, we'll see. Honestly, at this point, uh, Rassanen is pretty much a clean slate. I almost think of him as um, an unrestricted free agent out of out of junior. Um, we'll see what he is. Uh, yeah, honestly, he just had really bad development ever since he got drafted. Uh, he, you know, as you said, something personal issues or whatever. Um, that never works out well. Like, it's just really hard on a teenager to go through that stuff in a different city, in a different country, and just... It's just really hard. It's really tough. Like I don't, I don't envy any of these players. Like they're they're going to chase their dreams, and it's they've they've sacrificed a lot. They're having to deal with a lot of crap. Uh, so and they're trying to find new ways into the yeah. league too, and to really refine their skill. Look at like Ely Tolvin, and he went from uh, the U.S. National Development Program, I'm pretty sure, to uh, uh, <laughs> Joker as well. Yeah, it's such a weird way to find his way now into the AHL and eventually into the NHL, especially as a Finnish prospect. Yeah, and, and Austin <laughs> Matthews played in Switzerland. Uh, but yeah, just going back to Rassanen, um, yeah, he played, he quote-unquote played 12 games in um, in Jokerit in the KHL, but when you're a pro- when you're a player like him, uh, you don't get played. Uh, you, you can be on the roster, you can be sitting on the bench, but you don't get minutes. Uh, there, there was a lot of games where he just didn't, he got zero minutes or he had like four seconds or something like that. So uh, he didn't get a develop at all this year. Uh, I'm very excited and very pleased to see him on the Marlies because if there's one thing that the Leafs do really, really well, it's that they have the best AHL team in terms of development ever. They are so, so good at taking your talents, they're taking your skills and developing them and making them better and giving you a safe place to work in. With all their veterans, with all their coaching staff, with all their specialized skills coaches, um, the the facilities, the Massacre Center and, and the Rico Coliseum and having your uh, management and your coaches all right there. Uh, it's so, so important. It's so, so good. And you can you've te- you can tell uh, there, there have been countless success stories of the Marlies developing great players and, you know, finding homes like Martin Marinson. Like he meant he was he was nothing. He was he was falling apart before he went to the Marlies. He and they looked 
awful with the yeah, others. They fixed him and you know what now? Like he's he's a seventh guy. That's pretty good for what we got what what we ended up with um back in like whatever whenever we got him and whatever he turned into with Carlisle. Um Justin Hall, like he was a nobody. He was a castaway from the Chicago Blackhawks system, picked up in the ECHL, uh, a number one defenseman in the AHL at the very least and uh number seven or eight in the in the nhl like that's that's turning nothing into something and dermot like he was never a great skater now that's one of his best uh attributes rasa sandin he's he has his development hey, you arc. said it's sandin don't change it up i me. think of sandin man <laughs> just in my head because we talked about the jersey okay fine. <laughs> but yeah it's just his development arc from where he started as a little guy uh who you know surprisingly strong in front of his own net but to be someone who can dominate skating wise and play offensive minutes and play top minutes and play defensively really well and what Sandin has become in just this one year a development has been really impressive and I can't wait to see him on the Marlies next year and perhaps on the Leafs after that um, I think they're going to take a lot of time with him I don't think he's going to be on the on the NHL roster next year just genuinely what they're going to do with I Lilligren. actually wanted to say I wouldn't be surprised if we see Sandin no. in like the last three games next year no oh um, mm. If if the Leafs aren't looking like if the Leafs have the second spot locked, they'll probably they might try him. I don't think Babcock what, wants what do you that. Have to lose. I don't think Babcock wants that circus around. It's like it's gonna be a circus, man. Like just just set it in stone that he's not showing up until he's there, right? And then he's there and he's there forever. Um, I I at the earliest I'll think he'll go midseason next year, and once he gets on the team, he'll be there for sure. Like as a, as a uh, solidified presence. Uh, but I don't think the Marlies, the Leafs are going to mess with that in any kind of way and, and give the, the fans any kind of tidbits or, or, or looks like that it's, as much as we'd want him to be there. It's just, um, they're going to take it slow. They did it with Kapanen. Like he could have been in the NHL a year before he was, but they made, they took it slow with him. They, they were very deliberate. Same with Janssen. Like he could have been up even more school skills. Yeah. Right. He just, you know, give him some more stuff to work on Dermot. Like he, um they they gave him that part season and you know he could have been up with everyone else uh in a year where there was a bunch of young guys he could have he could have found his way in the third pair but they really took us their time and um i think that's probably what's best for everyone so yeah that's so why don't you talk about um you know his name oh joseph duzak uh, i'm gonna call him joe hey joey i'm gonna call him joe. joey because I, I how are you doing today? <laughs> damn it joe um uh, you're gonna talk to him in uh, press conferences like that. <laughs> so, Joe, <laughs> that'll be terrible. I should not. I will never. I will never. So, do remind that. everyone. How do you pronounce his name? Joseph Duzak. Um, Duzak. I don't know anything about him. I'm very excited to see him on the Marlies very soon. I think what happened is that he signed his PTO uh, right after signing his um, entry level contract with the Leafs. Uh, you know, just here's a here's a PTO, so you're on the team for the rest of the year until July July 1st, and the contract kicks in. Um, but yeah, I just you know I don't really know anything about him. I'm excited to see how he plays. Um, adding more defensemen will always be a good thing for the Marlies. They're they're very short staffed. Um, I think yeah, what happened is that Rastin and Duzak both signed um contracts with the Marlies, but I don't think they went on the recent road trip. Uh, through the weekend through Pennsylvania and New York. Um, so yeah, we'll see him, I think this weekend at the very earliest this week. Uh, I'm excited. He's a, a top prospect, uh, from the NCAA. I think one of the best, uh, scoring defensemen in the league. So very excited. He's a small guy, uh, plays very smart, very fast. Uh, 
yeah, I've, I'm, I'm, I'm curious. I'm so very. Duzak, he played for Mercyhurst College in the AHA, um, and scored forty-seven points in thirty-seven games this season. All right, not if bad. That gives context. Yeah, there's not much context, but from what I've heard from uh, NCAA people. And sorry, before you continue, uh, AHA is the Atlantic Hockey Association, which is Division One in the NCAA. Man, I am. Uh, Ruining my voice there. Uh, uh, oops. The Atlantic Hockey Association Division One in the NCAA. Yeah, so there's there's a bunch of different Division One conferences essentially in the NCAA, and then you all play and there's like you know it's very complicated. There's a ACAH or something like that. Uh, but yeah. Anyway, I think uh, he'll be fun. Uh, I with with him and Rasten, and I honestly think it's just gonna be a clean slate. Uh, we're going to see him for the first time. We're, we're not going to think about anything on the past. No assumptions. And we're just going to see how they do because, um, I don't know. It's just, I, I don't want to get caught. I, I don't like getting caught with, you know, preconceived notions or what I think Rassin is. Like, I don't think Rassin is just going back to him for a second because that's the prospect that we've known for a couple years. I don't think he's like a rough and tumble, big, heavy, six foot six defenseman like what we think of other guys like, you know, the Eric oh, Bransons. Sure. Like, I think he actually has a lot of skill to his game and I'm excited to see that develop. It's just going to take a lot of time and uh, I'm willing to be yeah, patient. Yeah, especially and I hope... when he scored, what, 39 points in his draft year? Like, that's something to look out for even though yeah. it's not alar- like incredibly high. It's still pretty decent for a defenseman. Yeah, I'm excited to see what his skills are. I think he'll do well on the on the third pair. Those that unit gets really sheltered. If him and Duzak play together, that's that'll be one thing. Uh, but they have a lot of vets. They have Sam Jardine and Steve Alexi, who you know could play both left and right. Both like one's a lefty, one's a righty. So uh, we'll see where they go. I think they'll probably play each of them with a vet and then see how things go. Uh, but yeah, I think that'll be it. Uh, maybe they might rotate them. It'll be interesting to see how Keith does it. Uh, there's not much time left in the year only about a dozen or so games maybe a little bit more so dude i can't believe it's the end of march essentially right march okay. week was essentially Jeez. last week the the steelheads finished the season on sunday night so yesterday night and i would like i think it was a couple weeks ago i was thinking i'm like hey when's my boss sending out our schedules for the rest of the the uh, ohl season and I'm like, I'm waiting, I'm waiting. And then I look at the schedule and I'm like, wait, the last game is on the 17th. It's already done. I was, I was losing my mind. I'm like, it's already there. It's, it's, it, it comes up on you fast. It really does. Yeah. And uh, the Isabel Cup was finally uh, won last night. I shouldn't even be saying finally won. It was suddenly <laughs> won. It's, uh, there was no real lead up, it felt like, at least for myself. Um, I will say there is, uh, just sorry to interrupt you there. A lot of people in the States were really excited about that. It was really big, especially in Minnesota. It's a shame. Okay, uh, did you have any thoughts on that game? Any major thoughts? I didn't get to watch it personally. Okay, so from what I um, was able to catch, uh, Shannon Zabados, who was the um, you know women's hockey league uh, all all world goaltender, the best goalie in the world, uh, who played in like men's leagues and was amazing and and just won tournaments for Canada. Um, she got injured right before the final. She missed the final. So they didn't have their number one goalie in Minnesota, who um, it must be said is the first uh, women's hockey league, professional women's hockey league team to to earn a profit in a year. Because that Minnesota, in Minnesota, man, they love their hockey and they support their players so well. And a lot of the players that play on that team are from Minnesota. So um, they're they're a great story. Went in their first year, um, a big, big success. Uh, big credit to them. But 
they 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 did it against a Buffalo Buttes team without Shannon Zabados, and I think that's a shame because I really would have liked um, to see that story because uh, Minnesota is a really great team, and and Zabados is you know an all timer almost. Yeah, it's amazing what she's been able to accomplish in terms of playing in a men's league a couple of years ago and being that number one goaltender, and now um, I think achieving her dream and playing in uh, the NWHL. And I, I don't know if her aspirations are to play in the CHL eventually, but still, like, to play in the N- NWHL, professional women's hockey, <laughs> and to see this this sport grow is quite the accomplishment to watch and continue to watch uh, in the future. Yeah, and dovetailing with that, uh, today on my way home, I've been putting this, I was putting this off for a while. I don't know why. I think I just kind of wanted to, a, 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 I, w- I listened to the 31 Thoughts podcast with Cassie Campbell Pascal um, that came out a couple weeks ago. I don't know if you watched, I don't know if you listened to it or not. I assume you, yeah. maybe you did. Um, I, I, I haven't yet. Yeah. Okay. So you make sure you go listen to it because it was um, a great story from beginning to end. Um, when Jeff Merrick talks about a certain story, a certain person at the end of uh, the of the podcast, it, it I was t- I was crying. So uh, definitely watch, definitely listen to all of it. And uh, one of the things that Cassie talked about in her uh, in her interview was um, creating a uh, WNHL uh, that might actually happen as soon as this summer. Uh, both all the players have been you know talking about wanting one league and sharing the income and sharing all the costs and um, there might be a big push to get that done this summer and at that point you know Zabados won't have to um, move between leagues there'll be one league that they'll all play in that they'll all make the money off of the NHL will be a part of it um, we assume and uh, it'll just take the summer it'll take the players you know making moves uh, we've seen them do it before. We've seen, uh, I'm, I'm just reiterating everything Cassie said. We saw the women's national team, you know, work hard for equal pay, and they did. They did made the tough. They made the tough decisions with. Uh, uh, it's just yeah. So, we'll. It's going to be really interesting this summer to see what happens in women's hockey. Um, I after listening to Cassie talk, I hope that they do have one league at the end of the day because uh, everyone, everyone together, and having everyone work together is probably the best thing for. Uh, hockey in general and, and growing uh, the sport yeah like i want to hear more about the uh the nwhl players like i don't know them too well like i i kind of have a, a periphery of view from you know everyone on twitter that i follow and i've been making a conscious effort to follow women's hockey writers and um and and uh yeah, reporters we, we and only broadcasters see a bit of it we only see a bit of it in terms of like the ice garden covers it pretty well yeah. which is a sb nation site um, and Melissa even, Burgess, Melissa Burgess does a great job with the Buffalo Buttes, and um, I have some friends who were former uh, working with the NWHL, and yeah, they're, 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 they are there. She said we need to, it's hard to find them because it's, you know we're so focused on the uh, CWHL. Yeah, and if, if we eventually have a merger too, um, we can have better merchandise available, hopefully, and uh, even we have the All Star Game broadcast and the Finals broadcast eventually having a finals broadcast as a merger um there could be a better and even better lead up yeah and getting we can be excited for and getting the money from the nhl and getting their marketing uh department as you know like just get that get that going man like the nhl for all their mistakes that they've made in the past um they they have they're making an effort to you know 
develop the women's game and try and help it grow right now they're having to stay a foot away while this uh merger messy money stuff is going on because they don't want to get in the way they don't want to feel like they're the man you know stepping in fixing a woman's problems like they're they're not going to do that um so you know they'll be there they'll be supporting they have you know lots of nhl teams have partnerships i know like the the Leafs definitely do uh with the furies and um the the buffalo sabers with the pagulas for sure are heavily involved in in the buffalo buttes and same with minnesota and all those cities so um yeah it's just it'll take some time it'll you know what'll happen it'll be in the middle of the summer nothing's gonna be going on and then and then the girls are gonna the women are gonna are gonna announce it and it'll be a big a big story and it'll be it'll be really fun so i'm excited to see that hopefully come up this summer because i think it'll happen i think it'll happen this summer yeah and this is Again, this is just so important for for the sport to grow, not just for all of us to enjoy, but for for women and for more players to get involved as well. So it can be it can be recognized around the world as well because we have Kunlun in China, and when we have it going in internationally between the U.S., Canada, and China, like that, where we can grow like this is just a huge step forward yeah and uh, i'm so tired of talking about mergers and and money stuff i just want to talk about how good these players are because that's what i care about honestly like i don't care about all this stuff um i want i want to just talk about the game i'm trying i've been working so hard to you know talk about actual players and how teams have been doing and systems and and what works best and what are what are some of the things that the women's league is doing that the men aren't doing and uh, it's just it's so much more int- fun when you're talking about actual hockey rather than uh, the business side of hockey. It feels like it's another CBA negotiation. So uh, I can't wait to just talk about hockey. I can't wait to talk about uh, it with other people on while it's on TV. And um, that's kind of what I want. That's just not what I want. And I, I know and I know you want that too. <laughs> exactly. We all want every league to be successful. It's just about having a great product on the ice too. Mm-hmm, for sure be an even better product um except for that swedish second of... league they're jerks <laughs> <laughs> sorry that was really random i don't know why i said that but <laughs> god speaking damn of, speaking and... of success um elias petterson looks like something doesn't he he looks like he could be a very successful player he looks like he I'm could be sure making better of him. he looks like he could be making better jokes than me that's for sure. Oh, maybe. It's all mad. Very, and he wouldn't be laughing at his own jokes too. No, I'm laughing at how <laughs> stupid I am. <laughs> so dumb. Uh, yeah, he scored uh, a pretty good goal, good goal though. Uh, when and, is it? And it was in the shootout too. Yeah. Like, we we hate the shootout so much, but I also <laughs> think it's because players aren't creative in the damn shootout, and they don't try deeks. And when you see someone like Elias Pettersson pull off a Peter Forsberg, or when you see Pavel Datsuk with, with his cliche, uh, not his cliche, his patented move, <laughs> where he continues to lure uh, goaltenders to the left, but he actually goes right and pulls it kind of backhand, but also goes forehand. Um, we need more of that creativity and not this bland, just shooting for a corner or five hole. And that that's what the shootout was meant for, some creative deeks but uh that's why it got boring players were just shooting yeah um it's a shame that uh pedersen's gonna be um 
run out of town, run out of the country because he did what <laughs> Linus Allmark did back in the day. So he's going to go back to the KHL and be some some bum over there, unfortunately. Some washed up. It's a shame. Bum. It's a shame. It's a shame. Another Oilers traffic gun. <laughs> Another Oilers wait. traffic. <laughs> oh, wait. He's he's from Van- he's in Vancouver. Um, But do you like what Vancouver is doing? As a oh, quick aside. Um, yeah, I think I, I gotta, I gotta admit that they're doing pretty damn well. Um, they're, they didn't, they didn't get to this point very well. I think they could have done it a lot better, but, uh, where they are right now with the young guys they have and, um, the veterans that they have around them, despite the cost, I think, it, I think they're fine. Uh, I just worry about that, you know, just they're, they're very raw in a lot of ways and, I think their coach is good. I think a lot of their players are very good. I just never trust. I'll just never trust Jim Benning to to build a hockey team because the last time he tried, he got Louis Erickson. <laughs> yeah, Bim Jenning looks very scary, uh, especially when he wasn't what assistant GM or he wasn't in the management staff for Peter Shirelli when yep. he made the Sagan deal. Yeah. So it kind of scares me when you're making a deal like Louis Erickson or you're signing guys like Antoine Roussel and Jay Beagle. It it scares me because. They're not good veterans. They're just veterans. And you should be looking for good veterans who are good in terms of playing well with the puck and away from the puck. But um, I, I like how they're drafting and developing. It's just when the contract and the cap crunch comes, I hope he manages it well. And it seems like uh, signs aren't pointing towards that right now. Yeah, Utica is a very good uh, AHL team in terms of development. They develop their players really well. Thatcher Demko, for sure, um, has has spent a couple years Ooh. there. Ha no, <laughs> <just> ha! <kidding. laughs> he spent a couple years there. He's done very well. They they make some pretty good trades. Um, they're always they're always right in it. They're always competitive enough, but they don't they don't go over competitive and and sit their young guys. Um, so yeah, uh, I I'm just you know let's see if let's see if they do well in spite of of Pim Jetting because that's kind of what it'll come down to who knows you might pull the Chiarelli and and give um give Pedersen like 12 year 12 million times eight years and then literally destroy the rest Gosh. of the team trade trade Bo Horvat for what ends up being a waved um a waved Ryan Spooner It'll or something be the next Sam Gagne. <laughs> oh jeez. uh that would be pretty who terrible is our current power who is a current power play specialist around the league oh Jeremy Bracco there you go, Jeremy no, Bracco. No, we're talking about the NHL hard of. Come on, man. No, nah, Jeremy Bracco is just an NHL <laughs> scorer, man. He's not going to do anything. <laughs> um, I'm not joking. All right. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> well, you are covering the Marley, so you have that knowledge. You're you're watching them closely. Yeah, my hot um, take is uh, if you put Bracco in the NHL right now, he's going to suck. So you got to teach him how to play defense because he currently doesn't do that. Like he doesn't know how to play away from the puck. Sorry, like it's just. Yeah. I think, I think you just have to bring up Bracco every podcast episode. Honestly, that's, that's really because like everyone just brings him up all the time and every single gif, and I'm like, great, he scores. I understand that, but he doesn't know how to play freaking defense. Anyway, yeah, <laughs> you give him a checking role, he'll be terrible, and you're not gonna play in the top six. So just screw it. Yeah, <laughs> those are my thoughts of Jeremy Bracco. <laughs> just give him more time. He doesn't. He's not gonna. He's not gonna come up to the NHL anytime soon. Here, let, let's talk about two more exciting teams. First, the All right. Calgary Flames. Uh, the Calgary Flames just clinched a playoff spot. Um, I don't think Bill Peters necessarily deserves the uh, Jack Adams, 
Um, but he has done a heck of a job coaching the Calgary Flames this year in terms of where they've gone at, what, the top of the Pacific Division. Um, Johnny Gaudreau is, is just ridiculous. That deke he made on, I think, Henrik Lundqvist or uh, Georgiev on Saturday night was... I just love watching Gaudreau when he has the puck. He's able to manage his speed so well and hold on to the puck with it. It's just what more players need to follow suit. And I feel like a William Nylander is someone who's very capable in terms of being similar to Gaudreau. Not like McDavid kind of thing, but like uh, similar abilities. Yeah, and one just sorry to move away from the Flames really quickly, but one thing I like about on. Marner... Uh, one thing I like about Nylander is... I know, I know. Always got to bring it back to the Leafs. But, yeah, we w- have to. But with Nylander, um, I don't think he has a high-end... Uh, skill of Gaudreau but he's bigger and he actually plays a lot tougher in the corners and he can move the puck and win puck battles a lot better than Gaudreau can not to say that he's since he's small he's terrible I think I think Gaudreau's a hell of a player and I think he's extremely valuable and he's he's a very tough guy as well uh but yeah that's just one thing I'll say about uh Nylander he deserves more credit for playing in behind the net because he's freaking amazing or just holding on to the puck in general which is why yeah man should be on that first power play unit wasn't he? Um, but I thought he played. He was on the five on three for sure. Yeah, he was temporarily, and then they went back to Marner on the right side. So that's mm, what mm. keeps bothering me. Um, what I found funny is that Nylander was on the right side in Marner's spot, and he de- he's developed that Tavares goal on Saturday. I thought that was really funny, yeah. and I'm like, yeah, I I'd actually kind of prefer Nylander there because I think Nylander is a better shot, and I think that's yep. very dangerous, and you kind of want the shot on both wings, like uh, like a Kucherov and um. And Stamkos, which we can get to in a very short second. Or, or even a Blake Wheeler on the right side, or a Robert <laughs> Thomas. So yeah. I can mention so many players or teams that have a similar power play structure, and they have someone with a lethal shot, like a like a Nylander, but Nylander isn't on that first unit. Yeah. Anyway, we're talking about the Flames. <laughs> Lindholm is on that first power play unit. Um, I They have a very similar power play, actually, to the Leafs, and I think they're around like 18th in the league. So it's not a very great power play, um, but... I also think Lindholm doesn't have the best shot like a Nylander does. Um, but besides that, when Mark Giordano is having a very good year, surprisingly because, what, he's in his mid-30s, um, TJ Brody somehow is resurrected this year on that first pairing. Um, even Noah Hannafin's playing well. But even your forward core, Matthew Kachuk's taken on another level and he's somehow playing on that first line. They've split up that 3M line and it's working. And I'm very happy to see that. And Mark Jankowski looks like a solid third line center. It's just all, it's filling in those seams, filling in those cracks that needed to be filled. And yeah, of course, James Neal doesn't look like what <laughs> we were, I was expecting him to be. But for the most part, this looks like a very strong team. Goaltending has had some issues sometimes, um, especially if playing Mike Smith against good teams when David Riddick should be playing. But uh, it's just about figuring it out over time. And I'm I'm assuming Riddick will be that number one guy in the playoffs. I'm just I'm just surprised that the Flames have been this good, despite having, um, a like a a bad starting goaltender. Let's be real, like a, a nine ten goalie is um close to thirtieth around thirtieth in the league in terms of save percentage, and a bad backup in terms of in Mike Smith, who's like an eight ninety four or something like that this year. Uh, is Riddick I'm, at nine ten already? He's at nine ten. 
gosh. I thought he was at like a 923 in like January. So he must have had Oh, he he's been terrible. A huge dip. Yeah, he's been terrible. I'm surprised that they're still winning games. But the one thing that I really wanted to talk about is that I'm so mad at the Flames for being able to have uh, Noah Hannafin, Rasmus Anderson, and Oliver Shillington on their lineup playing every <laughs> single night as 21-year-old defensemen. I'm so jealous of that. I'm so, so jealous of that. They have three 21-year-olds playing really well. Like, Hannafin has 30 points in 72 games. Anderson has 23 points in 69 games. And Shillington has 10 points in 36 games. Like Dude, Sh- Shillington looks like he's 24, 25 he's years so old. He's so good. On the ice. Oh, man, I was so mad. I realize he's 21. Yeah, and they're all, like, over 6 foot tall. Like, Shillington's the smallest guy, 6 foot, 183. Like, they're 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 players and like i remember all summer least fans were like hollering and hoping that we would somehow trade for rasmus anderson it turns out they they weren't gonna do that and they they got a pretty good player in return in in, in him and ah oh, i'm just so jealous like that decor is gonna be really good like it's taken a dip after remember like way back in the day when they had like five guys and they were all like top top three defensemen with like Wyman as a fifth guy or whatever and then that kind of that kind of tailed off and they didn't quite have the same kind of chemistry or or capabilities and now it's like rising back up they have Hannafin they have Anderson they have uh Killington then Giordano at some point like he's gonna um he's gonna retire but while he does it he's gonna try and pry that Norris out of out of the hands of Morgan Riley uh he's been incredible right now you're you're forgetting about uh Yusuf Valamaki who looks like he could be hell yeah top four defenseman eventually as well hell yeah um and Travis Hamm and TJ Brody is not young uh actually he's 28 geez I didn't realize he was that old it's been a while um it's just yeah they're a good team they're a good team and I'm worried yeah Go ahead. It's just the loss. Sorry to keep interrupting you. It's no, just it's the okay. loss of Adam Fox that kind of bothers me. But it's not like Adam Fox wanted to be with the Flames. So not Dougie uh, Hamilton. Being... Sorry, you, you're not worried about losing Dougie Hamilton when you're able to replace him somewhat, like and to 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 the level that they've been able to. I I guess I'm okay with it. Like losing Hamilton was huge, but like having Hannafin is okay especially to replace Giordano on the left side eventually. Um, yeah, they're both a huge loss. I just think Adam Fox long-term is going to be an even bigger loss if if he turns out to be the defenseman he looks like he'll be. Yeah, I'm very excited. I'm very, like, everyone keeps on talking about him as if he's, like, the next coming of God. And I'm, like, just really interested <laughs> to see what he actually ends up being because I have no idea who this guy is. I have no idea what he's going to be. So uh, seeing him eventually get in the lineup or somewhere in Carolina I guess where he is right now and and what he does uh, I'm I keep I'm so like it, I'm so filled with anticipation because that's all anyone's ever talking about him right now yeah it's just about finding those diamonds in the rough and I think that leads to us talking about the Tampa Bay Lightning um especially in terms of finding someone like Eric Chernak and trading who was in the trade? Oh yeah, it was Ben Bishop, ben Bishop for Eric Chernak. Don't no no and... don't forget don't forget uh, Peter Budai. <laughs> All right, All don't forget right. Peter Budai. <laughs> hey, he got um, he got them Louis Domingue, so that's yes. Give him credit yes, for that. Did. Yeah, man. Um, but finding someone like Eric Chernak was huge for the Lightning, and him he has become a very solid top four defenseman on that second pair with Ryan McDonough. We've talked about that before. McDonough makes great reads. Chernak does as well in terms of moving the puck. They both do in terms of mo- moving the puck. Sergeyev as well. You can go on and on about this lineup from even Matthew Joseph and uh, Anthony Sorelli or what did uh, Loser Points call him uh, for the Selkie? 
Sorelki. Oh, Sorelki. No, that was from that was Matt, in our group chat. Matt actually came up with that, and oh, and and, and Alan stole it from him. Yeah. Oh uh, man, jeez. Uh, I love this lineup. Um, Mikhail Sergachev and Victor Hedman as the first pair has been incredible to watch. Uh, I I. Shernak, I really loved him last year on the Mar- uh, on not the Marlies. I'm sorry, the Syracuse, Syracuse Crunch. I watched this, I watched several of those games. I was there for. I'll try to. I, I tried to cover them as much as I could, uh, along with Alex and and Justin and the rest of the guys there. Uh, but yeah, well, guys and girls, you know, th- the squad. Um, yeah, the squad. <laughs> I got. I got to be. I got to be gender neutral. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's just. I I was really excited to see Shernak. Uh, can't wait to see Dominic Machine. Masson, as I think people would be able to read his name, uh, he'll be he'll be really interesting to watch uh, in the coming year or so. Uh, yeah, I really like Shurnak. He was a he was essentially the number one defenseman down the, in Syracuse, and now he's up at the team. And I think he you know he hits a lot, and he you know he's not he's not fully there. I think he's kind of still learning and trying to find his way. But having Ryan McDonough next to him is just you can't get anything better than that right now. Like Brian McDonough is just, he's so good. He's so responsible. He, he makes young players around him better. And I think that's something that I heard a lot of the people in, in New York talk about him. Uh, he's, he's very, very good at that. And uh, that top four is so amazing. And it's kind of pushed like Anton Strom is on the third pair at this point. So with... just before, just before you move on, sorry, yes. I want to talk about Ryan McDonough last year. Did you notice that in McDonough? Cause la- I had a tough time noticing his defensive reads Mm-hmm. And uh, I feel like it was just a matter of like adapting to being with the Lightning, and this year it's just a, about thriving with this team. Now it's ridiculous how good he looks in terms of preventing goals against and even shots against. I think he nailed it. I think he really was just he got in so late, and everything was everyone was so tense in that city. Um, they were they were trying so hard to win. They were just you know all bunched up and and balled up with energy and. Um, it was all very tense that year, and I think it was hard for him to kind of just, you know, find his way and get a get a legit spot and find something solid. Uh, but by the time the the Washington series came around, he was really, really good. He was turning into something really amazing in the third round, and I think he carried that this year. And uh, I found I've seen a, a much more calm and relaxed and chill atmosphere from this team. They're they're not thinking. They're not. They're they're. It, like they're they're thinking like it is what it is. We'll see how it happens. We're the best team. We're confident in ourselves. Uh, we have depth to spare up our noses, and um, uh, I think I think they'll I think I think he's a lot more better suited there. I think that extra year is really important, and I think I'm glad I'm glad at least at least got Muzzin. I know he's like he's uh, protection against uh, Gardner leaving, but I think having him for this year and next year is really good. And we'll see if the the least resign him after next year. Um, just as a quick aside, because I think they're they're they were meant to be similar kinds of players. Um, but yeah, man, I've, I've loved Ryan McDonough. We've talked about him a lot. I think I've talked about him too much. I, re- I love You've me Ryan McDonough. You've talked about him a lot to <laughs> a very long extent, but I'm I don't sorry. mind it. Um, <laughs> oh, how dare you? Um, <laughs> but I apologize. About... <laughs> but like the Lightning are just so, so much fun to watch. Um, yeah. From their po- even their power play, it's just perfect execution every time. Uh, in terms of finding Kucherov or Stamkos on the left or right sides, um, having such a dynamic power play to, and fun power play to watch, you just need more teams to execute like that. And when you have two one-timer options for two players who can shoot the puck so well on the one-timer, it just it's a perfect recipe for success. Yeah, and let's not forget Braden Point in that bumper spot in the middle of the ice. Like oh, yeah. he is a top like 
10, 15 center in this league. He is incredible as a player. Um, him being there and being a different look is very interesting, is very helpful. Um, him and Kucherov team up really well together at five on five and, and, and in all situations. Um, man, it's just... You could say he's on point. Oh, he is on fuego. Because I'm not going to say point, because point puns, yes. oh man, they're so 2016. <laughs> anyway, anyway, I'm oh sorry. Oh my gosh, I'm done. L- listen, 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 listen. The, we Lightning fans, which I, I'll, I'll throw myself in there, we got all of our point puns like out of the way back in like 2017. Like we were like fresh out of point puns. We've said them all. Every single one of them is annoying and boring. And like, I feel like like the mainstream media and the national media is, is going to start latching on and we're going to be hearing about all these dumb point puns and we're like, we've heard about all these before. Like, go check Twitter. We've made <laughs> these already, okay? <laughs> You're so old. You're so, like, 2016. Gosh. Gosh, Dad. Um, yeah. I, I, it's probably uh, the same thing about Timo Meyer with the Sharks then. Yeah, probably. Probably. Um, but I just wanted to get back to, like, looking at the depth on this team – I think it's what what Babcock said back in the day, like uh, back yesterday or whatever. I'm trying. I'm I'm tired, man. What he was said last Monday. What he said on Monday. Yeah, last Monday. Whatever. Um, what he said is that you know some teams have a lot better uh, depth and they make up for it. Uh, the the Lightning have Matthew Joseph and Anthony Sorelli on their third line and they are absolutely destroying opponents like every single night. And I will say that they probably are better than than. Um, then a combination of uh oh my god I'm blanking of of Kadri and whatever line he's been on this year, um they're so good with J T Miller as the third guy who's big and strong and has an amazing shot and that that kind of depth is just really hard to find, um plus they have like players uh of the caliber of Taylor Radish and Boris Kachuk in the minors just waiting they're they're so ready they're so they're so ready to play and uh. Jeez, it's just they have a bevy of talent, and that's what happens when you spend from I think from Stamkos's draft year onward, almost like from 2012 onward uh, of developing and finding players and finding prospects. Uh, that's what you end up getting. So and filling in those seams really effective. Exactly, like uh, man, the Lightning have like you know the least they're missing like a number one left winger, right? Th- let's be real, they are like Janssen should probably be if the if Janssen was on the Lightning, he'd be the, he'd be on the third line. Right, but right now on the lease, he's essentially the first line guy. I'd argue maybe the second line. Right, sure, but like yeah. if he's on the Lightning, he'd be on the third line because the first two guys are Stamkos and uh, Tyler Johnson or uh, Nikita Kucherov. Right, like it's it, it's hard to find a, a spot for him there. Right, like because they have such depth. But, sorry, Kucherov is on the right side though. And sorry, so is I'm trying to think of the depth. Miller, and then you have Palat and Johnson on the left side. Yeah, Andre Palat. Uh, Andre Palat is probably I I would like to I would. I, I would say that Andre Pilat's a better player than um, Andreas Janssen because of what he brings in a different dynamic. And the Stamkos is, he's essentially been a winger a lot of the time uh, with either Tyler Johnson up the middle or he actually has had point on his center. So it would be like Stamkos point Kucherov, which is a lot of fun. So uh, it's just that level of depth is so hard to find. Like you have two young guys on the on the right side for the Lightning uh, on defense of the top four. Like, the Leafs don't have that. They have Riley Gardner or Riley Gardner-Muzzin. And then Dermot's still in the third pair. Like, he's not quite there yet. And they have two great goalies who are both in the top 30 in save percentage. Uh, Vasilevsky, I think, is top 10 or something, somewhere like that. It's just, it's just, an, it's unbelievable, um, the depth they have. How many games has Vasilevsky played? I'm checking right now. Uh, not many. He got injured. Some good rest this year. He got injured, so it's yeah, yeah, exactly. Forty six games this year. 
Yeah, and Duming um has been great for them, and he's played twenty five. Yeah, as a nine away, which is exactly what you want from your backup. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and he's it's just uh, Louis Deming is like an anti Sparks, where Deming didn't look like anything great with Arizona, but he's somehow found his way with the Lightning, and I think it's it's some sort of combination of like I don't know the micro stats and finding ways to really tweet uh, hone in his game with the Lightning at least. Yeah, things started to really fall apart for him. I think. Um in Arizona like he he was you know he was there he was doing well but I think relationships really faltered and really fell apart uh when he got moved back and forth for Tuscan and all that I think he was promised certain positions somewhere blah 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 and I think he was passed over a couple times when he wasn't really deserved uh and there was a whole there's a whole drama uh in that world so um yeah, sometimes he had that one year where he had a 9 12 and 39 games in 15 16 and then the mm-hmm. 908 and 16 17 and I, I think that's where it soured with the Coyotes. Yeah, and then he played seven games in 2017-18, and uh, I think he refused to go to the AHL at that point, so they traded him to, to Syracuse uh, or to Tampa, yeah. and where he played in Tampa, Syracuse yeah. and then moved up to Tampa really quickly. Um, but yeah, it's just um, one of those things where, honestly, it's, it's a change of perspective. It's a change of scenery. Sometimes that's that's the thing that goalies need, which yeah. I think, like, getting back to Sparks, sorry to interrupt there, but... Um, <laughs> Honestly, I I wouldn't be surprised. It, like I would if I was a coach, if or or I was a GM, I would I would probably trade Sparks at this point at some point in the summer, um, or I would have traded him last summer if I had the chance. Um, and I would probably expect him to do well wherever he goes, but I wouldn't expect him to make that same do that same pr- pr- uh, production with me as he would there. If that makes any sense, right? Like if he moves yeah. somewhere else and does better there, I don't expect. I, I it's not like I lost that development i don't think he was ever going to be good here i think he needs to be somewhere else in order to be good if that makes sense but that's where i disagree like i agree with you in terms of he can be successful somewhere else but a you don't want to trade him at a at low value and b you want to find a way to hone those skills and develop them with your team so you're not looking back and saying oh i could have had this in this player at more cost at a cost controlled price compared to going after maybe a free agent this summer or trading for someone i don't know who that would be but those are some of the options and i'm not saying they're the only two as well there are several options you can find ways in terms of goaltenders um let's quickly gloss through conor mcgregor uh (laughs) celebrating saint patty's day oh i can't believe we're Um, talking about this i know it, it it disappointed me when i saw him uh going for the St. Patty celebrations in Boston. But when I saw the comments on Instagram and Twitter, it made me feel better as a hockey fan to some extent. Um, first on Instagram, I saw um, him stepping on the Bruins logo in the dressing room. <laughs> now, for one, I believe that the logo should be on the ceiling um, so you don't have to step on it. And the other thing, you should know the rules of the dressing room and respect the team at, at least. And for him to be the only one stepping on the logo uh, when he's do- when they're taking team picture, it kind of disappointed me. And then fans pointed out, and I- I'm, c- I'm kind of happy about that. And then seeing how fans were also saying, oh, isn't this guy a criminal? Better hide your phones. It was just the icing on the cake um, because those were the top, comp- t- top liked comments 
on those pictures and videos. So it, it made me feel better as a hockey fan in looking at that. <laughs> Sometimes social media is good. Exactly. It's not all bad. Yeah, sometimes we can shit on one person in particular forever and ever and ever, and it'll be it'll be really great. Uh, yeah, but like I will say, uh, are you gonna tell Conor McGregor, McGregor to step off the logo? I don't think yeah. I would. Like, hey, if if like if it was like the the twenty what was it twenty ten Bruins or whatever, and they were they were all in the room and they were all a bunch of fighters, maybe they would. <laughs> maybe like, hey, get boy, get off. But. Uh, yeah, that's that's kind of funny that he was there. A, you can pl- you can find a playful way. It's like don't step on the logo, don't step on the logo. Like be like, uh, show the urgency, but also like smile about it at the same time. Because I'm sure a lot of teams have done that actually. And then when the person steps on the logo, they're like they all have that big sigh. So mm. the the person who goes in that dressing room and steps on the logo knows, oh, I I screwed up there. Yeah, like it's a tradition, but it's not a big deal. Like yeah, one of those exactly. things where you're like, ah, man. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Why'd you yeah. do that? Yeah. yeah. I, I find it funny that the Bruins did that, um, <laughs> especially with Conor McGregor's pass and blah, 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 blah. Exactly. I was so surprised to see him. But uh, it's hockey culture. You, you, we're not surprised to some extent, too, when you see little things like that. Um, but one thing I was really surprised about were uh, Sharks fans honoring Mike Hoffman. Uh, that was hilarious. It even got Mike Hoffman to uh, to notice um, the the sign, I guess you want to call it. So what happened was, I guess, an organization, or I think it was, it's a it's a fan driven supporter club of the San Jose Sharks. Um, they're in section two eighteen at the Tank, which is their home arena, oh, cool. now SAP Center, um, and a lot of these. I guess smaller market teams, even though, though the Sharks are a pretty good market. Um, Carolina has it. Nashville has it. A specific section just dedicated for those really hardcore, uh, loud fans. And sorry to interrupt, these... but the Leafs also have one with the Ford Fan Deck, so that's kind of cool. All right. Yeah, yeah. True. They give away tickets all the time. But it, it's, it's like, it has that corporate effect. That's my only thing. <laughs> I know, this but like... you got to sponsor it to make the money off of it, exactly. right? You might as well. Exactly. It's okay. Um. But what the Sharks have done, as we had to just make it tied to the Leafs, um, what, what the Sharks <laughs> have bad. done, uh, or what uh, Teal City crew did, was they made a sign that said Hoffman, 68, 6-19-18 to 6-19-18, the day he was traded to the Sharks, the day he was traded to the Panthers from the Sharks, just <laughs> as a, a funny gag. And of course, Mike Hoffman, after the game, he took a picture with one of the fans from Teal City crew. And it just, it's just something to, to marvel at, like the creativity to think, oh, Mike Hoffman is playing, Mike Hoffman and the Florida Panthers are playing <laughs> against the Sharks tonight. Let's make a huge banner for him. And, and uh, it, it's just something to laugh at Yeah, for Mike Hoffman to be in the picture. For sure. I think that's, I think that's really great. That's really cool to see. Um, it's almost like uh, Martin Jones, um, uh, famed uh, Boston Bruins player. <laughs> People forget he got tra- a day as a a day as a Bruin. Yeah, people forget he got traded from L.A. to Boston and then Boston to San Jose because San Jose didn't want to trade within uh, the division, or I think L.A. didn't want to trade within within the division or something yeah. like that. So, uh, always I legitimately funny. thought Martin Jones was going to be like the one B to Rask at the time, and then he got traded. <laughs> oh, okay, never mind. Well, he he really is a one B at this point. He hasn't been great. <laughs> so, oops. He is playing like a one B, definitely. Yeah. Um. 
which which is again what I mentioned at the beginning of the season. He can be on and off, and it it worries me, especially if the Sharks are all in this season, especially with Carlson and Nyquist. Um, if you can find a way to be actually good in the playoffs as a goaltender, that's important. And I don't even know who their next goaltender of the future is, if they even have any anyone. Yeah, they're, so that's what scares me. They're pretty uh, lean. You know what? That, that got me thinking. They're going to go hard on Bobrovsky, aren't they? They got the sure, dude. They'll find the money. If they if they need a goalie, they'll they might go get him. I'm not sure if they'd want to go long term with him. Yeah, but they're they're long term. But they're long term with everyone else anyway. Oh wait, hold on. Jones is Kane, Jones Kane was 27. Burns is 31. Locked up long term. Like that's the really bad contract. Wolbelski. Well, I'm curious what they're gonna do with him this summer. He's gonna get an eight year deal. Pavelski's going to get an eight-year deal. Uh, Carlson's going to try and get an eight-year deal. Um, Vlasic's there. Uh, Martin Jones just signed a, uh, is on the, is in the first year of a seven-year contract. Sorry, six-year contract. Right? Like, they're all, they're all making money on term, man. Tavares is going to go there for seven years. Uh, yeah, man. It's a lot of money. They go long-term with the money, and then they'll deal with the rest later. Isn't that, like, kind of their motto? <laughs> Sounds like the Dave Nonis logic. Oh, oh my it God, is. <laughs> it is. Uh huh. And <laughs> oh, jeez. See, now I'm starting anyway, to spiral. Let's get, a, let's get away with that. <laughs> get away from that. And the podcast. Um, <laughs> exactly. Uh, quickly plug something that you've been working on. You did a, a recap mm. of the Senators on on Saturday. But what else are you working on? Yeah. So I did the least sends game. Uh, I'm still trying to recover from that. Uh, today I wrote at Malhe Hockey. Um, the Colorado Eagles, who are in their first season in the AHL after coming up, they're actually the uh, Kelly Club uh, champions from the ECHL from last year. They're actually uh, they won the championship and moved up to the AHL after getting bought by the but uh, by the Avalanche, and uh, they just had a nine game win streak that got busted in a nine nothing loss to San Jose's affiliate, which is funny and Fair odd. Kinda. Yeah, the odd irony there. So. Um, I went through every single game uh, of that winning streak, and I threw it up on uh, milehighhockey.com. Tom has been bugging me for a couple days to do it, and I felt I always felt worried that, like, what if I write the article and then they lose the next game and then I'll get blamed for, for writing the article that jinxed them or something. So I kind of – I was lucky that yesterday, last night on Sunday, they, they lost that – well, they lost not nothing. It's not great. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, they, they, they lost that game, and, you know, uh, I wrote about it. So go have a look at it. Um, the, the, the Eagles team is very um, – specific in how they they like to play they're a hard-hitting life love to fight love to hit kind of team and they get out shot every night and somehow win with pavel frank shoot frank Kuz or Fransu, whatever i, I forget how I it pronounces frank it Kuz. yeah I, I keep on hearing on the avalanche broadcast that is Fransu or something like that so um they have great that offense yeah they have great offense they're a great counter-attack team but they they kind of they take a lot of penalties they give up a lot of shots so um, the fact that they won nine in a row is very impressive, um, considering what who they are. So that's one thing I wrote. You can probably talk uh, read about there. Uh, NHL in terms of the Marlies, uh, I'll probably have something out tonight. Probably, maybe we'll see. Uh, they, the Marlies played three games in, over the weekend, so I like to kind of recap that a little bit. So maybe I'll do that. What do you got going on? I think that's it for me. <laughs> I'm trying to work on a Mark Stone video. Um, 
And other than that, I'm I'd like to get a Winnipeg Jets and mm. Toronto Maple Leafs separate power play videos. Are you stoned uh, on it right now? Sorry, are you, are you like stoned? Are you like you know not sure where you're gonna go? Have you hit? I a, have you hit? A, I, I'm gonna go. Have it's you hit a rock in the road? Getting it done. <laughs> <laughs> have you hit a rock in the road? A stone on the on the turf, or so, as, as you will. Oh no! As they say. Okay, I think it's time to end it. I think we've left our mark. <laughs> I definitely think we've oh, left no. our mark. Oh god, I think I'm done. Don't call don't don't call your senator at me. And with that, it'll be on point. Okay. <laughs> Good night. To tie it back to Braden Point. All right. Follow us on uh, <laughs> po- on Twitter at Chase underscore Hockey. <laughs> follow Heart of at Heart of Lad. Probably don't at Matt J L Hendricks. Probably no. Actually, no. Don't at all. Don't even look it up. Okay. And have and a golden are, night. If you are following Heart of, unfollow him. <laughs> Click that unfollow button at least for a week so he gets that point that he did a terrible thing today in terms of too many puns and, don't block uh, me because you might forget, forget. To subscribe to us on the podcast i'm not letting hard of talk and uh we'll see you well you'll hear us maybe friday. something something Rick, vegas does, does friday work hard of uh we'll see i think i'm i think i'm busy all weekend so um well, you'll hear us when you hear yeah. us very soon we're hoping we ought to get a get a podcast out soon though yeah we'll we'll keep it around uh once a week and with that You'll hear us soon. (laughs) Bye.